Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. He is Chris Marler. Chris, we are back into a long-distance relationship. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I don't like it. I know. Yeah, we get to spend four days together in Atlanta, and now I am actually in Chicago right now. Yeah. I was at Big Ten Big Ten Media Days all week. You are still in Atlanta, the I'm ATL. In, back in my fort. Yeah, so while we are apart, we are still going to talk. There are a lot of SEC ties to what I found out at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, trust me, I did I did the Lord's work. I found the SEC spin <laughs> for you guys. Do not worry. We're not just going to blast you with a bunch of Big Ten stuff. I promise a lot of this we're stuff that we're going to get like to. We're just going to have an onslaught of three-star reviews after this. <laughs> this is going to be great. Way too much Big Ten talk. Who cares? It um, says no. SEC football, not the Big Ten. <laughs> if I want to listen to a Big Ten podcast, I just go up north and move there. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, that's not how the internet works. But we we first have to get to uh, we later we will get to a Peter Burns interview that we did last week. We've been talking about that at SEC Media Days. Peter was gracious enough to join us. Of course, he yeah. was able to talk about Bun B and his fantasy Coolest football dude team. Ever. <laughs> it's wow, awesome. awesome. We're gonna have Peter Burns back definitely, but we're gonna get to that interview a little bit later. Gonna talk some Big Ten Media Days stuff, but first we got to get to the big headline that came out yesterday while I was in a sea of Big Ten stuff. And that is Nick Saban says that Jalen Hurts told him that he's not transferring that via ESPN.com. The exact quote that came out was Jalen actually came. This is Nick Saban saying this. Jalen actually came to me and said, dot, dot, dot. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here. I came to get an education. I graduate in December and I'm going to be here. That is what Saban said. Jalen Hurts told him. So now oh, Jalen Hurts just all of a sudden isn't going to transfer, right? I'm I, I mean, I like that. What I was most amazed by was the fact that we usually record this on Tuesday. Right. And that news would have come out literally <laughs> right after we were done recording. So that was big. Yeah, I, I mean, pretty big day for Bama fans, I think. Jalen staying, and also he tu- uh, Saban touched on the fact that he's not planning on retiring anytime soon. He finally right, amazing. Yeah. He finally addressed it. Chris Lowe, for the first time in like a week, broke the story. Actually, I don't even know if Chris Lowe was the one who reported that or not. But that, that's like a weekly ESPN headline is Nick Saban not slowing right. down anytime soon. I finished, I finished uh, work at like 1130 last night, and I like close the computer, and I look up, and like the Bama-Georgia replay's on. And at the bottom line, it's like, Jalen's staying, Saban's staying. I'm like, this is the best day ever. Right, like, yeah, I right, mean, of course. I, I think Jalen's going to stay through the season. Like we already talked about. Right. You know, I don't know what they're going to do to entice him to stay. I still think he's going to start game one and then quickly be pulled for, for Tua. But I I mean, yeah, this, this makes sense to me. I would love to hear Jalen say these words. I'm yeah, not that's saying, also true. I'm not, I'm not saying that Nick, you know, I'm not saying that he fabricated this, but, right. you know, there was, uh, you know, the time element of this is, is unknown, right? He did I mean, have a know. little bit of that, that like, yeah, that stripper said she liked me kind of feel. Like, oh, yeah, sure, man. Sure. She was she was all about it. Right. She's uh, going to stay. Would, I'd be a little bit more, I'll be honest, I'll be a little bit more convinced that Jalen came out and said this. Right. It's not, it's not bad news. Nick Saban said at SEC Media Days last week that he expects and hopes that Jalen will be there on opening day. I believe that it was Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports who asked him, point blank, do you think Jalen Hurts is going to be on your roster opening day? Right. And this, this answer is a little bit different than what Saban gave in front yeah. of the masses in Atlanta. But it is still significant in that Saban is planning on having him there. And to me, that suggests that he is trying to figure out a way to make this work with both of them. And maybe the chances of them 
having two of them playing in the same game is more realistic now after seeing these comments than it was before. Because you knew from what I think from what Damian Harris said, you knew that Jalen was going to want to compete. And yeah. I never I, I never doubted that and his desire to want to go into fall camp and, and compete and really give this thing a go. I still question whether or not he was actually going to try and figure out if this was his best option or if he was going to do the Joe Burrow route. We're going to get to Joe Burrow later. Don't worry. <laughs> and decide that he wasn't going to win this job. There was somebody there who was younger and more skilled than he was and decide to ultimately leave, get those two years potentially to to finish out the rest of his right. career. So, yeah, now yeah, he's going to potentially... How, I mean, like- and, and we were guilty of it too, but everyone assumed he was going to compete and want to be, you know, he, he's a quarterback and he wants to compete as a quarterback wherever he goes. No one thought he was going to do it here. So also Jalen came out with a, just a pretty fire uh, mixtape and highlight reel that he, he blasted out on Sunday. I will say this. I love what this has turned Jalen Hurts into. Because yeah. I, I, I think we were all the, the, the sort of lasting impression that we had of the national championship was Jalen was this great guy who really stepped aside and let Tua have this moment yeah. and he didn't let it become about him didn't he didn't brag about him going three of eight for 21 yards and his stats he let Jalen or he let Tua have his moment I'm in Chicago so a little Chicago reference for you he didn't do the Walter Payton and cry that he didn't get a touchdown in the key moments of the national championship well, like seven or eight other people got a touchdown in that Super Bowl so Walter Payton probably should have got a touch yeah, but still. So, you know, he didn't make the moment about himself. And I think we kind of came off that thinking, you know, Jalen's going to do the unselfish thing here. He's either going to switch positions right. or he's just going to give way. And I think that the more and more we've got into this offseason, we're seeing this fire out of him that regardless of what happens, if you're an Alabama fan, if you're Nick Saban, you love it because that's yeah. what you want to see from a guy who has come in here and done pretty much everything that's been asked of him. Has he developed as a passer the way that you would hope? No, but he's, he spent time at the Mad- at the Manning Passing Academy right. this offseason, and you never know what he's potentially done the last couple months since we saw him struggle in the spring game. So he's still twenty five and two as a starter, he's still the SEC Offensive Player of the Year as a true freshman, still had you know again those last four games he started last year against Mississippi State, Auburn, Clemson, and Georgia. Those were four of the top fifteen defense in the country. Right. So I mean, I, but I love this like new phone who dis swag he's got going. It's like he's like fresh off a breakup. He cut his hair. He's got a little yeah. short hair now. Right. You know, he's just got that little Kelly, uh, not Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry, I have the tiger thing going. I, you know what? He's I, fierce. I've, I'll say this. I don't think I've ever liked Jalen Hurts more than I've liked him right now. I need him to just, he doesn't have to tweet very often. Just like, how about like a once every two weeks hype video with some right. sort of mantra <laughs> about being, you know, it doesn't have to be I the tiger. That's a little bit cliche, but something, something like that where he's yeah. just showing, yeah, I'm, I'm competing for this. This is the job I want. I'm going to fight here. I'm not just going to let somebody play one half of football and take my job. I don't care how talented they are. So, right. This this story is is a long way from over. I think that 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 is pretty that is pretty much set in stone. Regardless of that comment, that comment is is newsworthy. I wouldn't be a hundred percent sold on the idea of Jalen staying at Alabama, finishing out his career. The the December transfer, of course, is still on the table. Nick Saban would like to avoid that too. Let's let's not forget that he wants these guys in his room as long as possible. Right. And if there's a way that he can make this work, he's going to do it. Now, what I will say is that if Nick Saban is planning to do whatever Meyer did in 2015, man, that is, that's a dangerous game, friend, though. Dangerous uh, yeah, game. I don't know if that's in play. I really hope it's not because I can't deal with that. 
It's like and a polyamorous relationship with all of our quarterbacks. Like just like everyone gets a little turn. It's it's too much. I can't deal with that. And what what you saw in 2015, and I think what you would see in a lot of other places, because you got to remember that these are not professionals yet, right? Is is that it's it's really tough to get into a rhythm. And if Nick Saban wants to to do this little two quarterback system, it's it's different to do it with these guys than it was to do it at Florida with what Urban Meyer did back in 2006 with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow, of course, because Tebow was more of just the red zone quarterback. I remember Tebow throwing a single pass that year that wasn't a jump pass. It was just him coming in on third and one, fourth and one, getting a three-yard gain and just like just frantically waving his arms up and down, getting the crowd up. That was so out. I was about to inter- I was about to interrupt you and say how could you forget the jump pass and then you, you finish your sentence and I'm glad I didn't interrupt you, so that was good. Can Jalen just do jump passes from now on? God, I hope be- not. I'm so I, I just <laughs> jet sweeps and jump passes is just two things I want out of college football. Yeah. the The underlying story here though is who if Jalen if Jalen does improve as a passer and we do think that he gets to that level where this is an even competition right. as, as as some have said even though I think two is going to be the starting quarterback and I, I maintain that even though I, I'm seeing these comments who's he going to throw to Calvin Ridley is, is Calvin too far in Atlanta is that a, <laughs> I don't know if Jalen's arm can get that far I mean that's what I mean if the Falcons can just draft Jalen as a quarterback like he'll be fine other than that we might have some issues with this career coming up. I mean, who's he going to throw to? I'd say any of the four and five star receivers they've signed, and 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 apparently Jalen Waddell, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's a freshman incoming from Texas. They've just had rave reviews about all all summer, all spring, compared to Percy Harvin. So apparently he gets a lot of headaches, but he's like electric on the field. So last, I mean, obviously the talent is there, and I'm not yeah. I'm not questioning that. And I think Jerry Judy is is going to be fun yeah. to watch, and he's a potential All SEC guy. Not hating on the the talent of receiver at Alabama, but just you know the one read and run. <laughs> wouldn't it Wouldn't it be so funny to watch Jalen would be like the guy who never picks up his head uh, in basketball yeah. and just driving down like he's got the three Stanley. guys open ahead of him. Yeah, the Stanley. <laughs> just his left arm out behind his body, just just oh, slapping back and forth. And that would be that would be great to see. So yeah, that uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that because of course it's one of the the dominating storylines of this offseason, maybe the biggest storyline of the offseason. But so transitioning to the B1G where I was in Chicago all week asking the tough questions, the hard hitting questions. Big ten. I actually did big life, big stage, big ten. That's what they say. Um, so okay, so immediately the very first person who spoke at Big Ten Media Days, and I promise, I promise, SEC fans, you're going to get a kick out of this was Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, guy who was voted one of the, I think he was voted the most powerful person in sports, in college sports, like three <laughs> years ago because of the TV deals that he's negotiated, all that stuff, whatever. So he got he Jerry DiNardo on the Big Ten Network, and that ain't, that ain't easy to do. I don't know if he specifically did, but yeah, Tiny whatever. Out. We'll just say that he did. Yeah, so Jim Delaney gets up to the podium, and this was his quote, and it blew me away. I could not believe he said this. He said, who could have possibly predicted the unprecedented success of our teams oh, last year with what? its coaches on the field, in the stadiums, on TV, and in the classroom? I honestly think it was one of the finest seasons in modern football, here or elsewhere, and let me explain my thinking, citing some data. So I'll, I'll save you the, the long soliloquy range. He went on whatever. He cited how the Big Ten was the only conference that increased its in-game attendance. Okay, 
Cool. Also cited that the conference had all these most watched games, like for the top. <laughs> he said he on, on TV. So like he said how for the top six games on ABC or whatever were were featured a Big Ten team, and that was the case for Fox. Oh, and like for, the primetime games, Iowa exactly. State and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I mean, Penn so, State and Ohio State too. That makes sense. Yeah. So he uh, he he cited that. He also cited the the seven and one bowl record and, and and talked about all that, and then even cited the highest percentage of wins of any conference and non-conference play. So all of that is all well and good. You know what he didn't say a single thing about? Uh, I'd say that playoff. <laughs> yeah, the fact that this was the first year that the Big Ten has not made the playoff. Didn't say a word about that, but it's an unprecedented year, even though the Big Ten missed out on the most important thing in college football. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to say stuff to make people believe that what you're doing is as big and impactful as you want it to to be, you know, and, and sometimes you kind of stretch the truth. I'm not talking about politics here, just, you know, in general. I mean, they did have, in the last three years, they've had, I think the Big Ten East has had seven top ten finishes and the SEC West only had five. However, yeah, not making the playoff, pretty big deal. Pretty big so deal. So I, I kept picturing what you would think of this if that had been said Let's say, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> let's say there's a scenario in which the SEC misses the playoff, which I don't think that that could ever happen. I, I know, I really don't. I, I think the SEC championship is almost an automatic bid. Right. Um, so let's picture a scenario in which the SEC misses the playoff, and Greg Sankey gets up at media days and oh, all would, of a sudden oh, man. just starts talking about how it is an unprecedented year of success. Can you imagine? I think people would laugh out loud. No, I would throw my granola bar that they gave us for free at him on the stage. Like I would, I would. That would be ridiculous. It's a, it's like. I mean, not we're not going to get into politics, but when Trump was like, I had the biggest parade in the history of parades. And it's like you're like watching on TV and it's like there's seven people there. And I think three doors down is playing like what is happening right now? That is not that is certainly not the biggest parade. Yeah, that's so is, weird, though. I can't. Be, I, I mean, there's a lot of good that they've done. I was just kind of surprised. Like if you say unprecedented, my first thought was, OK, maybe they had, you know, Michigan made the finals in, uh, you know, like a, in March Madness. I think they did pretty well in baseball, maybe. I don't know, but it wouldn't be football. Right. So we'll, we were going to talk about this a little bit later, but we'll, let's just talk about it now because the question that I asked four different coaches during the press conference and then I asked Chris Ash later was about if they think that the playoff system is effective and whether or not they think four years in that this is kind of the right way to do things. And I got a variety of different, of different responses. If you heard the headline that Jim Harbaugh said about 16 teams in the playoff, mm -hmm. by the way, was, this guy right yeah. here, sick brag, that Connor was me asking asked the question. question. So Jim Harbaugh wants six teams. Scott Frost obviously wants eight teams. He said that before. He right. said it's kind of hard to look back at a year like last year. And then the others who want four and are fine with the way the system is, the one thing that they want, and I agree with this 100%, is that there needs to be a universal system. Agreed that we have where it's the same number of non-conference games or a same number of conference games whether that's eight or nine everybody needs to play the same amount of conference games and then are we playing fcs teams or are we not playing fcs teams because it's not fair to have some teams that want to right. and the big 10 brags about how it doesn't everybody needs to play the same number of power five teams and they don't understand why this why this is put in place and in, and jim delaney and other big 10 coaches basically said yeah the sec and the acc have an advantage because this is what they do the sec specifically plays the most fcs opponents yeah and if you're trying to you, the problem is that the system and this is what jane franklin said is that the system is still subjective and even though we have this committee and what we want to do with the playoff system there are still these 
we're treating this like everybody's on the same playing field. In my opinion, they're not. And you can sit here right. and try and argue about the SEC schedule all you want, but look at Bama's schedule last year. I mean, let's let's not make this out to be like it's an automatic gauntlet, even though they have to play in the SEC. The eight right. games that they played, they didn't load up with all these ranked teams. So they also opened with the number three team in the country, and no one could have foreseen that that would have happened. Absolutely. And, and that, like, I get, I get the whole thing. And and I will say this again, and this may come off as bias, and I really don't care, because I 100 percent believe this. Teams aren't lining up to play Alabama. I know we're going to get to a segment later and talk about that. Teams aren't <laughs> lining up to play Alabama. They're not. They're not. Nobody wants to come to Tuscaloosa and get their brains bashed in by you know Saban and like it's just this onslaught of five stars he's going to throw out on the field. I get it. I, I don't think they should play the FCS games. If we're worried about them not being able to make as much money or not getting the exposure and how you know it's it's cool for them to get to play on a big stage like that, figure out like a luxury tax situation like they do in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Like f- figure out a way to like fund I guess like whatever money they'd be losing it's about a million dollars paycheck for each game like that or play them in the spring have scrimmages in the spring when it doesn't yeah. really matter I mean and and that would be kind of a cool thing it'd be better than you know in a lot of spring games in my opinion I, I just so, go ahead real quick I gotta interrupt you because that's a Danny Cannell idea you know oh that, right? Jesus Christ yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just stepped right into the bear trap I mean the problem Go the ahead. problem, though, is that they wouldn't agree to that because if that ever got out, that a, that a team lost to an FCS team in a spring game where they're pl- probably playing oh, third yeah. and fourth string, it would look really bad. And those guys are going to be going all out. Type thing. Like, I mean, like yeah. they, they had to agree to lose. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there was there was a lot of – I mean, I agree with, like, the universal scheduling idea. I'm not sure whether or not they need to go to nine games. I don't think that benefits the SEC. I, I think that hurts the SEC – the SEC has no reason to change. That's at the all, problem. At all. It, no reason to change. They and have the system figured out. A nine-game SEC schedule, that's, I mean, like, that's, that is a gauntlet. And I, I understand yeah. that, like, the Big Ten, I, you know, the SEC is kind of top-heavy as well, but that that would be a gauntlet. That's that's tough week in and week out. So the, the issue, too, is that, you know, while we want to have this, this even playing system, the Big Ten, I think, is in a really tough spot because Jim Delaney brought up all these things about how the competitiveness has never been better. Games are interesting. Teams want to see it. Like competitiveness. <laughs> no, like competitiveness within the conference. I mean, yeah. you had a lot of classic games last year within yeah. the Big Ten itself. But the problem is that, you know, you're looking at one team in the history of the college football playoff. I know that's only a four-year history that has made the championship game that had a nine-game conference schedule. That was right. Oregon back in 2014. So why would we do that? So exactly, yeah. why would anybody want to have this when you don't have to? And the road is easier when you only have an eight-game schedule. I firmly believe yeah. that. And so, so I mean, eliminate the FCS game. And, and I brought this up last night on the Facebook Live, and you know, a, a, it was pretty mixed reviews. A lot of people said they wanted to get rid of the FCS games, but if you're gonna play, I, I don't think we should go to a, like four power conference, like you were saying necessarily, but right. like institute something where you you play two other like two games in your non-conference against power five schools like whether you have like the opening opening weekend game like a lot of teams do now institute something like they have in basketball like the acc big 10 challenge and like and and create like a rivalry and have some like interest based off that and, and play like rotate like we do divisionally rotate against you know a different conference like that where the SEC plays the Big 12, Big 12. I think in this current system, I think the Big 10 is is in actual trouble. I think there yeah. is a playoff problem with the Big 10, with maybe the Pac-12 as well. I think the Big 12 is in a different situation just because the Big 12 only it, it doesn't have divisions and it's just it's 10 teams the best two teams are going to get to the, you know, yeah, whereas it's so they top can't heavy. They're blank together at the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, that's a, another discussion. Big 12 is still trying just, to get to the championship. Know, like, go down to eight-game conference schedule, stop playing white running backs, and then there you go. That's that's how you do it. I will say Nebraska, like Scott Frost had a quote, and it got me thinking. I'm going to give you a little tip of the cap here. We make a lot out of, like, how impressive this Bama dynasty is. 
he made a comment about how Nebraska needs to be in the upper echelon of college football. I think the 90, like mid-90s Nebraska team, that might have been the most impressive dynasty ever just because he, like, they were able to recruit kids to go to Nebraska. It's God and Tom Osborne in the state of Nebraska. <laughs> That's it. And corn. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. So there hey, you go. You're, you're hating. I saw you had a little note in here. Who would want to spend four to five years Ooh. living in the state of Nebraska? All right. As somebody who lived in Nebraska for two and a half years, I can tell you that Nebraska is not that bad of a place. Actually, there are a lot of elements in central Nebraska that I, I miss, believe it or not. Like what? That I don't only get. wearing Carhartt clothes? No, I mean I like the sense of community that I don't get that I don't get in Orlando. And I love the fact that, you know, Lincoln is actually kind of an underrated city. It's got a nice it's got a nice downtown that's been modernized, it's been updated a lot. Omaha is kind of bustling in a way that many people wouldn't expect. College World Series, man. College World Series. You need to go check I it out. I try to give you a compliment. Don't ruin it. I know. So Nebraska is one of those teams that is probably going to have a steep uphill battle playing a nine-game conference schedule. They have a really difficult schedule. We're going to get into a comment that Gus Malzahn said about scheduling later. That's right. a little tease. But I want to I want to hit on something that uh, that I, another thing that I discovered uh, at Big Ten Media Days. Actually, before I do that, the big news at Big Ten Media Days was Urban Meyer firing receiving, receivers coach Zach Smith came out over the weekend that he had a criminal trespassing arrest. And then we found out later because the file sort of opened up on him that he had this arrest for domestic violence back in 2009 when he was in Florida, and then there was apparently another case in 2015 as reported by Brett McMurphy. So, yeah, the weird thing was, so Urban's never fired a, uh, a guy on his staff this late. He was the longest tenured staff member. And, you know, back in 2009, that was on his Florida staff. And Urban said that he had looked into, he remembered, like, he, you know, he knew about the 2009 thing, but he remembered looking into it and thinking it was nothing. Now, Urban Meyer has a she zero tolerance... Urban Meyer has a zero tolerance policy against domestic violence, and this was not a good look. This was not a good week for Urban Meyer. I really think that it was, no. it was bad, and I think he kind of reverted a little bit to uh, the negative imitation, the negative impression that I think a lot of Florida fans had of him and the rest of the SEC had of him when he left. And that's not to say that he had a lot Urban of arrests. Is, yeah, I mean, this is this is multiple arrests with a guy who clearly had some skeletons in the closet right. that were covered up. And it's, uh, it's not it's it's the fact that like I remember when his first his first couple years at Florida, there was a stat I remember reading. I was like, good Lord. And it was like they had 26 arrests or something like that in the first four years, which I mean, a lot of teams have like their offseason troubles like Georgia used to have issues with it because of you know the stance that like Mark Rick would take and they'd always have seemingly like one or two players out the first game of the season I mean it's not like something that's specific to one school it's the fact that what happened at Florida and and this is not I don't I'm not saying it's his fault it's not drunk in public it's not you know even DUIs it's all pretty terrible stuff I mean you had like I mean Aaron Hernandez didn't murder somebody in college but like that's a pretty horrific thing to do and he had troubles in college he had, he had the stories where you know he had several players that were committing uh, credit card fraud under I guess like when he was the coach there where they had taken someone's uh, one of their teammates dead girlfriend's credit card and were using it to buy gas yeah that's at, I mean that's who does that and, yeah. and I'm not saying that he would condone that per se, but it happened under his watch. Yeah, and I, so Urban, the, the problem that bothered me was that, so he had this response at Big Ten Media Days that he found out about the 2015 thing. He found out about the 2015 thing uh, the other night, he said, and that that was, that was what had been reported. And then 50 minutes later, after that report from Brett McMurphy came out, Zach Smith was fired. And so Urban was asked point blank, yeah. okay, 
was he fired because of public perception? Because this perception of him as somebody who you had on your staff of Florida and you allowed this, and now you know more skeletons are coming out. Was this you know is this a public perception thing? And he he said you know a little bit, but not you know all of it. Okay, Which so if it honest. wasn't if it wasn't a public perception thing, why wasn't he fired over the weekend immediately when this criminal trespassing charge came out? And it's a weird, weird look. And he tried to walk back and save himself by saying like. Basically, he didn't know about certain things, there's but no then he way. looked into it. There's, I don't believe that. There's I believe no that way. every With coach. this day and age, there's absolutely no way. Because you know they have 100%. someone on staff that's that's monitoring the players all the time. And there's, there's just no, especially in like, Columbus is a big city, but Ohio State is a massive, massive brand and name. There's, They're under a microscope there. There's no way this would go unnoticed. There's absolutely yeah. no way. To me, this was obviously a public perception thing. And the, the problem, too, is that all Urban has to do is come out and say, yeah, we just can't have anyone associated with domestic violence right. that's on our Take staff, Take a stand period. against domestic violence. Period. Stop being and retroactive said, about it. Yeah. Instead, he tried to like walk back whether or not he knew about this and that. It just was not a good look for Urban. I think he was put. I, I don't know if there was a if there was a more uncomfortable position <laughs> to face at media days with a really sensitive issue yeah. with a guy who's been on your staff for a long time. It was just you know a bad would be look. Awesome overall. if like just in in football in general across every single league. NFL, college, high school, just everywhere. If we all just like together took like a unified stand against domestic violence, and you know, that would be like the main issue instead of like, you know, like I, I just heard about this and like defending his like public perception and like his image of how this affects him. What if we just like decided all together, this is like everyone has a zero, zero tolerance against this. Get out ahead of it. Stop retroactively having to like defend yourself instead of defending the issue, especially. That, that drives me nuts. Yeah, I know, and it was it was definitely an awkward situation. So, uh, a different a different issue that was discussed, and obviously, you know, totally two totally different subject matters that was that was discussed. Uh, seamless transition. <laughs> yes, yeah, seamless transition. But one of the other things that Urban answered, and one of the questions that I asked. Uh, was about Joe Burrow because LSU fans, I was doing, I was doing your work. I was looking out for you. I wanted to to get some intel on Joe Burrow from the guys who actually knew him because watching a spring game and hearing a bunch of random quotes from LSU players who like just met him. Uh, that's a little bit tough. Yeah. So uh, I asked that? every. I asked Joe Burrow. Uh, so I asked every. We need to get a drop for that. That'd be really good to, like to just that. throw in there. So I asked uh, every Ohio State player who was at Big Time Media Days, and I asked Urban about him. And he, you know, Urban said point blank that he he loved Joe Burrow. He, you know, had this long quote about him being a made player and how he's really, really worked to improve his release, improve his arm strength. And he said that's why LSU fans should be excited for him because he's ready yeah. to play college football right now. This is not some but developmental he guy. He's been there for like three years, so. I mean, right. Urban, Urban absolutely loved him. And he said that he was right there at the end of spring camp. And it wasn't like a situation where, you know, Haskins was the guy and they were, that was clearly the direction right. that they were going. He said he has made some such significant improvement that he's not he's he's ready to start for a power five team. And that, that was the impression that you got watching him in the spring game. Yeah. But it was interesting to hear Urban kind of give a little bit of the background on, you know, he sat down with his family and discussed, yeah, like, dude, you're absolutely ready, but I can't guarantee anything right now. Right. And there was a clear path for him to start at LSU, obviously. So I, that I'll be makes honest, sense. I don't, I don't really know what to make. I, I know they're good, but I don't know how to like scale what what these uh, compliments mean. Warrior, yes. dog, baller, 
main yeah. player. Like I got baller. Yeah. That sounds good. But the rest of them, like, Paris. is that? Is he just a hard worker? Like, yeah. What does so that mean? Paris, Paris Campbell called him a warrior. Uh, Ohio State receiver said that Joe Burrow, absolute warrior, had a little bit of a longer <laughs> quote. Uh, Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones prefaced this by saying, believe me when I say this, because I lived with this guy for two years, called him a dog. With a not W, a, y'all. Yeah, with not a, a w, dog. So you know it's real. Dog. Uh, Isaiah Prince called him a, a baller, basically said, you know, they were they were nothing but complimentary. And the quotes that they that they shared were like, we really got to know this guy over the yeah. last three years. And he's he's a little bit more quiet. You know, but Joe Burrow's not gonna be the big type of rah-rah guy, but he's what they need right now. And he said LSU fans should be he's absolutely not the hero thrilled. He's <laughs> the hero we need. I mean, I, I yeah, like this has just become such like like there's a coach speak. This is like coach speak, but just player speak. It's like yeah, I mean they getting somebody that's gonna play like 110 percent every single time. Like what? I mean, I can't <laughs> I can't remember who who it was that said, but that there's no doubt that he's gonna succeed at LSU. And I think for LSU fans oh, who have been doubt. so starved, yeah, <laughs> for LSU fans who have been so starved for for quarterback attention, yeah. hearing all these complimentary things about a guy that they don't know a ton about yet, yeah. um, to me, you know, that that matters because you can tell when a guy is kind of being brief with you about somebody else and they're just coming up with random, like, you know, little cliche things. I didn't think I didn't think a lot of these were cliches. <laughs> really? I, I didn't think a lot of these were cliches. When you actually bump out the whole quote, mm-hmm. if you just pick apart a word, but yeah. So interesting development, though, that that I found out at Big Ten Media Days that you found out as well is the fact that Joe Burrow was taken off the bet DSI books for who's going to win the starting right. quarterback at LSU. You can no longer bet on bet DSI, at least, on who's going to be the starting quarterback because they had so much action on Joe Burrow. So I was, it, when it came, so when bet this bet DSI came out with like the like prop bets for a lot of QB competitions across the country, like I think five or six in the SEC. And that was one that jumped out. The, the thing that jumped out the most to me was the two teams out of the five or six in the SEC that you didn't have, uh, you, you had only plus odds. Like you were, you were getting money. Like you were, you were getting money from Vegas on any bet you made. Like the two. Go figure. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I think Joe Burrow came out and he was still the favorite, but it was like plus 130. Shocked. Like, cause yeah. he, it, we talked about it media days. It sounds like from everything Orgeron said, he's definitely going to be the guy. Yeah, I'd be stunned if he was not the guy. Right. So I think something would have to happen for him not to win that job. Yeah. Um, to me, and, and another guy who was taken off the books as well was the Michigan starting quarterback battle, which I've been saying since the day that he committed, Shea Patterson is going to be the starting yeah. quarterback in Michigan. If you're still holding on to hope that Brandon Peters is going to be the starting quarterback Michigan fans who are somehow listening to this, it's not going to happen. Do not disregard what Shea Patterson did in the SEC. I know he struggled against LSU. Yeah. I know he struggled he against also Alabama. Wouldn't go to wouldn't go all the way up to Michigan not to start. Exactly. Exactly. So what I wanted to know was not whether or not Michigan players think that, you know, the former Ole Miss quarterback is going to start, but just what was their reaction when they found out this guy from LSU was coming? And I think, uh, so uh, Tyree Cannell, one of the Michigan representatives at Big Ten Media Days, said he didn't know who Shea Patterson was. Didn't even know who he was. He said, I just heard the media talking about this guy at Ole Miss who wore number 20. Like, that was the impression from him, at least. Good. Karan Higdon said that he didn't even have a reaction. He was like, no, I don't really care. Like, I need to see someone play in person. I, and then I asked him, I'm like, okay, so 10 games at Ole Miss of starting didn't do anything for you? Right. That didn't really care? He's like, no, like, I, you know, it's a totally different system. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no right. let's see what he does up here. When we okay, throw so, the ball in seven-yard dig routes seven times a game. 
So Ole Miss fans, even Ole Miss fans who who are JT believers, yeah. our boy JT, totally. and think that he can throw, you know, and, and think that he would have been the guy had yeah. he stayed there, they can still admit that Shea Patterson is, is incredibly talented. He's better than any quarterback that, that Jim Harbaugh's had in recent memory. In fact, Joel Klatt told me that he thinks that he's the best quarterback that Jim Harbaugh's had since Andrew Luck and that people even are Kaepernick. grossly... I don't know if you want to include that. I think he might have just been limited to college. Right. But people people are grossly underestimating right. the impact that Shea Patterson can make, and I agree with that 100%. I mean, to be fair, so, I, I would understand, like, like the hesitation for Michigan fans because they, they've been spurned before. I mean, like, oh, absolutely. Drew Henson came in. He was supposed to be, like, the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. That didn't go very well. Ryan Mallett. Just like, I mean, LSU has been spurned exactly, before, yeah. too, and we, and we talk about that. Chase Winovich actually even said that he – like he told Shea Patterson, he's like, if you come to Michigan, I'll come back to school for another year. <laughs> Dude, that's not somebody who's who's talking about somebody who's going to be a background. Right, exactly. So, yeah, Shea Patterson, I think quickly Big Ten fans are going to realize how good of a talent yeah. he is. I've been trying I've been trying to, to, to say to, to people, like, no, this is not going to be a battle. Once no. you see Brandon <laughs> Peters compared to Shea Patterson, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to start. It'd be fun to see Shea Patterson play in, like, an Outback Bowl against an SEC yeah. team again. That'd be really good. I would look forward to that. Me as well. Yeah. So Shea Patterson's going to be in the headlines, in the news for a while now. A guy who usually is discussing the news on SEC Network, Peter Burns, guy that we got to talk to last week, had a really, really fun interview. I know we've talked about it a million times. We kept saying, oh, it's going to be on this day. It's going to be on this day. It is here right now. The delay is over. Here is Peter Burns. We are live from SEC Media Days. We are joined by a very, very special guest, the one, the only Peter Burns of SEC Network fame. Peter, appreciate you coming on. It's a pleasure to, to get a, to do it's this. It's a fun week, right? I mean, listen, we were talking about how big of a grind it is. You guys are pumping out a bunch of good content, and we're like, look at each other, like we're exhausted in the elevator, and we all kind of looked at each other like, can you imagine if we worked for a living? Like, this is this is a good excuse to be tired, right? Life could be a whole lot worse here. You're doing uh, some fun stuff early on every day. Before we get into some of your background stuff, just uh, kind of give us a rundown of this this simulcast that you and Marcus Spears have going. Yeah, it's called SEC This Morning. So back in March, they launched uh, Sirius XM Channel uh, 374, which is all SEC. So it basically is like if you just want to have, you know, they have a Major League Baseball, they have Yacht Rock, they have the John Tesh, you know, <laughs> channel. That's my personal yeah, favorite. Right, yeah, right there, backspin, right? Yeah, yeah, old school hip-hop, yeah. John Tesh, and then Sirius the XM. Yeah, yeah right, you celebrate the entire collection of Michael Bolton. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, so we started launching this show back in March. It was on Channel 374. It's me and Marcus, 7 to 10 every single morning. And so over the, a while, they were like, you know what? Maybe on media days, we'll simulcast it on television. I mean, the Paul Feinbaum show has been huge. And what Paul's done has been fantastic. Heard and of it. So, yeah. yeah. And so we're like, well, let's go ahead and have it uh, in the morning. So we did it all week long so far, a couple days in. And it's great because, listen, man, I mean, you guys know, SEC fans are so passionate. They will consume anything. And so we're trying to have a little bit more fun in the mornings. I mean, Marcus is such a big personality that I mean we're literally asking the coaches how many you know which of the coaches like actually mow their grass in the off season like which is more like which coach is most likely to like to shop with a coupon I mean just just ignorant stuff but right. stuff that you have fun with because there's only so many times you can break down is Georgia the best team in the SEC East because uh, we've heard that question 7,000 times here in Atlanta well the ignorant stuff is like more like my speed that's like right at my ass oh, so, I'm, yeah, I'm the big dude I got no problem saying yeah. that I think that's just fun right like yeah, that's what we fun. like about it 
fun about it. So, um, not as fun. We know you have an incredible background story, a lot of hardships. That being said, why have you never taken those hardships and used it for good, like motivating Vanderbilt? <laughs> Before a game, they need it. I mean, you're close to them. Just be like Derek Mason comes me uh, comes up to me and he's like, Peter, we'd like you to speak to the the yeah. team. And I'm like, oh, that's honor. And as the anchor, that's really good. They're like, you've screwed up a lot in your life, and we're trying to get over the hump. What I'm saying is, you can't win here, guys. It's, that's the whole point. Uh, you know what? It's funny because I, I I like Derek. I like um, I, I will tell you this, like part of me i'm just a sports fan that's like literally living my dream like this is i pinch myself and i'm sitting there on the set and i'm sitting there with kirby smart i'm like are you kidding me like this is happening like i used to watch greg mcelroy and marcus spears play and i'll get a chance to do this but yeah i mean it's it's that's why i think i find myself pulling for the kentuckys the vanderbilts and even like mississippi state i love what they do down in starkville because i feel like they always have kind of like a, a chip on their shoulder and like they're the people who said oh you can't get it done and then well they're actually pretty good and i think there's so many of us in this game that are very talented that don't get kind of that break and I, I kind of want to be the voice of that person who's the fan who got an opportunity to just, hey, man, I'm just having fun on air, and hopefully it comes off that way. We got your biases out of the way. Um, I was going to ask you about that um, <laughs> no. because you got the Cajun background. You know, no. You're from Texas. You're like, wh- what do you call yourself, the, the Texas Cajun? Yeah, I'm like a mutt, basically. <laughs> like, I literally, I'm adopted. My mom was like 16 when she had me. We don't know who the father was. Like, my sister's South Korean. My brother's half Brazilian. My mom's Cuban. My dad's Cajun. I'm like the United Nations of man. babies, right? Like, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's I grew up in Port Allen, Louisiana, so diehard LSU fan through and through, but then lived in Texas for about 20 years, lived in Denver for a couple years, and nearly threw up in my mouth when I went to a, a CU, a Colorado football game, and I saw that there were like 19,000 fans, and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm used to 90,000 in Tiger Stadium. But yeah, so made it back here to Charlotte and anchor the SEC network. And dude, it's just it always everybody joke around. It just means more, right? But it like when at the end of the day, it truly does. Like all the other media days, they're like one day, two days, and maybe we drag it out too long. I don't know, but there's enough people that are that are hungry for it that it's 365, 24-7 people care about SEC sports. It's also hard to get invested into like getting caught up on Illinois' offseason, so there's that. That was my favorite. They were like, Paul Feinbaum to the Big Ten that, Network. Oh, I was like, so I, I, rolled in, I rolled in after I was on vacation, and I came in, and I saw Paul, and I, I pretended to hit him in the parking lot there in Charlotte, and I was like, well, well, well. If it isn't the <laughs> man who's going to break down Indiana, Minnesota coming up this week, and I mean, he kind of yeah, laughs. That's so. a good rivalry, though. But yeah, it was. It's it's been fun. No lie, though. I mean, Paul is great. Anytime I get a chance to fill in his show, what he's built in our world, it's so hard to build a following, especially with there's so much content that's out there. Paul's like original, the goat, the gangster, man. So he's it's good to see him that he's going to be back over there at the SEC and ESPN. It's a pretty incredible background. I, my whole family's from Alabama, so I didn't even want to do the 23andMe thing. You know, uh, yeah. I'm just like, I'm already <laughs> You're afraid? ashamed enough. Yeah, I'm like, ah, I can't get much worse. Um, I like it because I don't know what I am, so I just celebrate every single holiday. I'm like, oh, Kwanzaa, smart. I'm in. Yeah, like, go ahead. Like, like, maybe Passover, go. I'm what about fine. Arbor Day? It's yeah, Arbor Day. What is that? Yeah, Just like exactly. fake Earth Day? I'm like, eh, we'll do it. That's yeah. fine. Listen, if it's going to give me a day off that I can go drink beer on like the beach, that. I'm there in. you go. Okay, I got to ask this question. It's the most intriguing thing I feel like about you. No offense. Yes. No. You had a fantasy football team with Bun B. Yes, of UGK. I'm gonna, yeah. Yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. yeah, just naturally, of course. Yeah, but why not? I wonder who the first pick was. Okay. Gosh, that was probably a couple of years ago. I think we went, I think we ended up having the like fourth or fifth pick in the draft. And I think we went Aaron Rodgers because we went quarterback heavy that year. So 
random story. I, you know, I lived in Houston for a little bit. I lo- always loved UGK. Like, just, yeah. I mean, listen, back, front, back, side to side, pocket full of stones. Like, I was just, I was the t- tall, dorky, white golfer that just loved rap music, right? So, we met through a couple friends. I had him on one of my radio shows in Houston, and he, he was, or when I was in Denver, and he was great. I mean, he literally broke down the Houston Texans, and he was, I mean, talking about their two deep and salary cap, and I'm like, wow, and this guy's brilliant. So, we would text back and forth, like, just... Hey, did you watch this game? Stuff like that. I'm like, I'm having a conversation with Bun B. Like, this is <laughs> yeah, the what, is, your life right what is going on? Like, and then he said something. He's like, Yeah, I'm trying to get into fantasy football. I was like, Well, you dude, I got like, I you want you want to co-chair a team with me? And he's like, I'm in. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is awesome. So <laughs> we ended up doing it. it. Was and we ended up getting I think second place. And um, so yeah, it was it was fun, man. That's my claim to fame is yeah. being a uh, co-fantasy football owner with him. I did like a wheelbarrow race at a, like a summer picnic with like Lou Bega. That's about it. Yours yeah, Mambo number five. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's it. I don't know what else he does at, at this yeah, point. Is, he may do professional wheelbarrow racing right now. I, actually, he better not because yeah. I was his partner. So <laughs> my favorite part is uh, before we came on, you uh, said Bun and not Bun B. Like yeah. that you're that tight where you just call him Bun. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't know. Like the first time, I'm like, how do I do this? Is it like Mr. B? Right. <laughs> Is it Mr. Bun? Is it Sir Bun B? Like, is he are United? I don't, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been fun. He's he's a good dude, and uh, it I, honestly, what I learned from that is don't judge a book by its cover, right? Here's this like gangster rapper, and like he's a professor of sociology uh, over at Rice and does classes. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. Yeah, I feel really bad about myself now after this interview. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still proud of you, but I mean... Well, thank you. Yeah. It was, uh, well, listen, I never had wheelbarrow races. I never had uh, Lou Vega's uh, ankles. First off, it's Lou Vega. Lou Vega, so, sorry. I mean, yeah. It's like disrespect the man. Yeah, Mr. Vega. Yeah. Mr. Lou? Yeah, Mr. Lou. In. Number five? Got yes, it. Yes, exactly. Okay, so if you've moved around the SEC, like the entire SEC country... Very generic question. I got to know, what's the favorite city and the best barbecue? Wow, best barbecue. It is... I'll tell you what. I'm not going to go best barbecue. Well, that's the question. I know, but I'm going to completely ramrod that. I'm going David Pollack going past all the stop signs on you. I'm going to say best catfish, though, is down... I mean, anywhere... uh, Because, listen, barbecue you can get in Texas, right? Like, it's fine. You can get it in Memphis. You get it in Kansas City. But when you get catfish, you need to have it in the right place. And that's down in, in Starkville and down in, like, Taylor Grocery and those places. So, Oxford and in in Starkville, that's where I'm eating anytime I get a chance. Peter, we know you got to go. We got a really quick family feud to mm-hmm. get to. It's lightning quick. Yep. We're gonna give you the questions. It's got to be the first thing that comes to your mind. Your best answers. Oh boy, you can edit out of my curse, fun. right? Okay. Oh no. Okay, good. Yeah, perfect. Right, you've, you've gone through some things. Yes. Nothing like this though. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. So we surveyed 100 of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Got the best answer for each question. Here we go. Okay. First question: Who is the biggest threat to the SEC's dominance? Texas A. Oh no, no, outside the SEC. Uh, I'm going to go Ohio State still. Wrong. That is North Korea. Second oh, question: uh, What is the best it. rivalry in the SEC? I'm going to say Tennessee and hiring a head coach. That's good. It's actually LSU fans versus their liver. Oh, that's fair too yes. as well. Uh, next question: Least exciting sport to watch? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say cricket. You can watch cricket. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's number one answer. That yeah. works. Okay, good. Um, fourth question: Coach, you most want to have a beer with? Ah, oh, man, I tell you what, I think me and Matt Luke can put some down. Yeah, he, he just seems like, like he a do that. dude. You know what? Sneaky good, Barry Odom. I okay. think Barry Odom is sne- like I Barry Odom. I want to hang out. Hot with. take. Really? I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Best advice you've ever received? You Fox know what? Go ahead. Best advice I ever had is when I first started, I write down every single cool opportunity or interview that I ever got a chance to do. Like right, right now. Down. Yeah. What? 
oh, I don't know yet. However, it's kind of cool because every once in a while I go back and I take a look at it and I'll be like, that's cool. Where you don't get lost in a moment and it kind of humbles you like, hey, I was doing like a women's like seventh grade basketball interview yeah. like a year and a half ago. Like, this is great. So well, that got real. The answer was, was uh, Belle Biv DeVoe. Yes. Never trust a big button to smile. Next question. This is true. What's the one thing Tim Tebow cannot do? I'm not biting that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. True question. Uh, last question. <laughs> If you were a character from The Office, who would you be? Dwight Schrute. Bears, uh, Battlestar, Galactica, and Beats, right? There we go. That's the way to do it. What was the point total? Uh, I think uh, we usually go with 69, but yes. I think we'll... Nice. We'll, right yeah, right nice. we'll stick with that. Nice. 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 Yeah, we're good. Peter, we appreciate you joining us. We That's know fine. you're very busy, man. It was a lot of fun. I think we fit everything in. Oh, I'm, I'm in. I'm good. We're going we're to have you back sometime, and you're going to write down this moment for us. Uh, it's in the book. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it, Peter. Got it. Very, very nice of Peter Burns to join us. That was a lot of fun. I felt like he was so up our alley. That was that was perfect. Yeah, he's awesome. He honestly like was probably probably my favorite. I I loved the Aaron Murray interview. Chris Story is still one of my favorites. And Feinbaum was just a, an adventure. <laughs> I mean, thank you to whoever edited out some of the awkwardness. But yeah, I mean he was he was great. His backstory is so cool. And just I love how like. Like, he just casually drops in, like, the whole Bun B thing. Like, it's just, you know, oh, yeah, Bun? Like, <laughs> like it's like yeah. Dave? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Doesn't call him Bun B, he just calls him Bun. Right. That's his, his little pet name for him. Uh, yeah, th- it was a lot of fun. We're definitely going to have Peter back in the regular season, maybe even before. Maybe we could even have him on in August. He was a, a tremendous, yeah. tremendous guest. Of course, you can catch him on the SEC Network doing his thing. Filling in for Fine Bob every show. once in a while as well. Yeah, check out the morning show. Morning show is really good stuff. He and Marcus Spears have a great, great rapport. Those guys can talk about anything, yeah. and, it's, and it's always entertaining. So, yeah, speaking of media days, a guy that stepped up to the podium without a ton to say – but he actually did say something, was Gus Malzahn. And Gus Malzahn said that this past year, he believed Auburn had the most difficult schedule in America. And oh, by the way, he thinks that they have the most difficult schedule in the country again. Is that surprising? No, it's not surprising. Because, I mean, I get what he's doing. He's just, you know, he's validating the, that that contract. He's like, just trying to make sure everyone knows, like, I earned this $49 million. Like, it was well-deserved. But, I mean, yeah, they have a very difficult schedule this year. But at the same time, just stagger your games in November. Stop playing Georgia and Bama both on the road or both at home. It's, it's, I've said it for years. It's the dumbest thing in, in any kind of SEC, SEC scheduling. Having to go four games away from Jordan-Hare, that one of which, you know, the, the season opener that everybody's talking about against Washington, that, of course, is going to be played in Atlanta. And then you have Yeah, I'm sure also... that will be a home game. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, that then... like right there. I know. And then you've got to face, uh, you've got to go to Mississippi State. You've got to go to Alabama and, of course, to Georgia. So you're looking at four games away from Jordan Hare against potential top 15 teams to start right. the season. That's really daunting for a coach that, get this, Gus Malzahn in his entire time at Auburn, he has a 500 record on the road. Yeah, you know what? He also, this is probably his most talented team, and this is what happens. So, like, you know, every it's Mississippi State's going to have a tough schedule. I mean, they don't play Washington, and I and I I've said I've said from the beginning, like I think Washington is going to beat Auburn in Week One because a lot of people are sleeping on Washington from down here. They return like 17 starters. They're going to have one of the best defenses in the country. They have the number two pass defense in the country. They only give up like 10 touchdowns all year. That being said, Auburn's going to be really good. Now they could be 
nine and three and be like one of the best nine and three teams in the history of college football, but they're going to be really good. Yeah. I think the front seven we expect to be dynamic, but it, it is interesting to hear Gus Malzahn say this because he kind of, he hears the chirping and he knows that for every person that says he's worth that 49 million dollars, there's probably another person who says that he's not. And in right. a way last year, last year sort of symbolized this yin and yang uh, feeling when it comes to, to Gus Malzahn. And if he's one of these great coaches in college football, because you know, you have the two wins against number one and then, you get crushed by Georgia right. and then you, get, you lose to UCF. So it's like th- there's this this indifference, not indifference, but there's this this imbalance of, right. of opinions as, as it relates to him. And I don't think that people are willing to put him in this category of elite coaches yet, despite the fact that he's the only active coach with multiple victories against Nick Saban while Nick Saban's been in Alabama. And that's worth something. Right. That's obviously it's, worth $49 million. He's one of the more polarizing coaches when it comes to opinions. I think he's a great coach. And, you know, bringing on Kevin Steele to be like the D coordinator, great move. Because it's worked out well. It's worked out really well. And they're going to have, you know, probably a top five, top ten defense in the country this year. They're going to be really good. I mean, they're going to be really good. Yeah, they're going to have a tough schedule. But, like, they still get Tennessee out of the East. That's true. That is true. But this is this is just Gus Malzahn's way of trying to get out ahead of this. Yeah. Because he knows he knows if he has an eight win season, which could very easily happen with a with a schedule like that, I, that people are going to talk and they're going to question if why are they paying this guy you right. know, seven years, forty nine million dollars if he's just going to win eight games. I don't a see a lot of guys who can do that. I don't think that they even have the toughest schedule in their own division. I mean, LSU's got to play Miami in an opening, you know, that opening weekend. That'll be a neutral site game. That's a top ten team. Then they got to play Auburn on the road two weeks after that, and they're they're stretching October. And even if you look into like the the Bama game in November, you're talking about their next four games in a row. So four games in five weeks are at Florida, Georgia at home, Mississippi State at home, week off, and at at Bama. Oh no, I'm sorry, Bama at home. Like that's and way I, more difficult than Auburn. And I think while we typically, historically at least, have looked at LSU home games as such a big advantage to have to go into Tiger Stadium and yeah. you know the night games are so difficult and so challenging. Last year sort of changed the narrative on that, in my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, Losing, Troy. <laughs> you lose to Troy and all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, why can't Mississippi State go in there and beat LSU? Why can't well, they did. You know, the rest of <laughs> like, like like two years ago or three years ago? I mean, so yeah, that's I, I think that the the whole like you know the big time home field advantage thing it it, it is lessened a little bit with the Troy game last year, and that is why we look at this schedule that LSU you has as so daunting right. because you're going to have to face these headliners at home and that's obviously going to be a challenge in itself but then and they're you know, not they, going to be as good in my opinion as Auburn like the reason their schedule is more difficult in my opinion partially because of the fact that you know I, I have higher expectations for Auburn I, I think that they're they're going to be able to manage their schedule a little bit easier than LSU because I think they're going to be a better team but, but does my my reporting of the Joe Burrow stuff change your opinion? <laughs> I'm said from the get-go, I'm, I'm really high on Joe Burrow. I think I think the LSU is going to be better, like better than the six wins that Vegas has given them for sure. But, I mean, yeah, I get what Malzahn's doing. Everyone has to play a difficult schedule, even the Big Ten apparently. Well, Big Ten actually plays nine conference games, so it's a little bit of Here a we go. story. <laughs> yeah, not an even playing field across the board. But we've already discussed that in Wrong the podcast. Yeah, to do that on, Connor. <laughs> I'll be interested to see uh, how that develops and if it does prove to have, if Auburn does prove to have the most difficult schedule in America because they were set to become the first two loss team to make the playoff if they were able to beat Georgia last year. That obviously did not you happen. You know what they, they, what they the ought to do is just drop the Iron Bowl because, you know, if last year proved anything, it just, that game doesn't matter anymore. So it just doesn't matter. Yeah. It, uh, it might not mean enough. Before we get to it might not mean too much. We have a return of the Mac. No, we are not talking it's about Shark Week. Coin. 
Is it really? It, I know. We've been so busy, I forgot it was Shark Week. Oh also, gosh. side note, it's been 30 years of Shark Week. How have they not had footage of one single person being eaten? That's the only reason I tune in every year. Yeah, it's going to happen. It has to. It's going to happen. Finale. Can't wait. <laughs> so, uh, a reporter at Mac Media Days asked all these different Mac players if they wanted Bama. This was uh, from the Detroit Free Press. George Stoya? I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, George. Yeah, he's uh, not listening. Sto- yeah, he's, he's definitely listening. Uh, he saw that we were talking about this. But he asked every single Mac player he could talk to if they wanted Bama. And they were like, yeah, we want to play Bama. And every single person on this little two-minute video that he did was like, yeah, it'd be really fun to play him. And it it didn't really get the, fun. the great reaction. Fun is the right way to put it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we want to play him. I don't care if we're from Toledo. We want to play See, him. See, like, honestly, there's nothing. There are a few things I love more in college football season. This is not just from a gambling perspective. But that Tuesday night action is just the best. It is lit. There's like a three-week stretch every season where you get – football on seven days a week because you have a Mac game on Tuesday or Wednesday. You have like Monday night football. It's awesome. I love the Mac. So my brother uh, is a Mac beat reporter. My brother covers Ball State. He lives in, in good old Muncie, Indiana. Nice. Shout out Toby Keith. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> what? I, this past weekend, I, I heard Toby Keith uh, drop uh, Muncie, Indiana when I saw him live. Nice. But yeah, so uh, Maction, why wouldn't a Mac team want to face Bama? Can you think about that? Why would a Mac team say, no, we really don't want to face Alabama? They're a little bit too good. Do you really think that that's what they're going to say? If that's what they say, no. that's more headline worthy than, yeah, we want Bama. We're competitors. We I think mean, that we can beat the best in the country. I love the whole, like, I mean, no, nobody really wants Bama, I feel like. But at the same time, yeah, like, I, I love the enthusiasm. The Mac is, is a lot. Lot of fun. I think it's one of the more underrated conferences in the entire country. It's way better than the Big Ten. Way better. It's a uh, wow. That's a, yeah. that's a fire take right there. Yeah. Uh, that's why undefeated. Kareem Hunt. Where do you play? Toledo. That's right. Mac. Maction. Fun town. Corey Davis. Western Michigan. Ben Roethlisberger. Probably not my best example. I could have came up with, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. Maction is fantastic, but um, I don't think uh, Bama fans are, are going to be shaking in their boots. I would the, love the to see Bama want... play on a Tuesday night game at Toledo. <laughs> you know what's sad is that the the whole We Want Bama thing is going to die when Saban retires in 40 years, so we got to really squeeze all the juice <laughs> yeah, out of it that we have left. Every single just, year. Just keep squeezing. So I'm, I'm telling everybody, you know, all these reporters who go to different media days, I was going to ask Big Ten players because that's a little bit a little bit too soon. Actually, come to think of it, don't. When was? Oh no, Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State, and then yeah, but the year before. Yeah, no, Ohio State, and the, yeah, that okay, that that counts. But I was thinking, who was the last Big Ten team that that Alabama faced? But I was. It was Michigan yeah. State, and then before that, it was Ohio State. No, it was that's actually right. Wisconsin, 2015. Cause, yeah, because yep. the 2015 opener. Yep. Yeah, that's right. I remember that fun times. Okay, we have we have Family Feud. Yeah, Family Feud that I am going to finally have to answer for the first time. Yeah, so I sound pumped. We haven't done Family Feud here almost in a month. Uh, it is July twenty fifth when we are recording this. This will come out the twenty sixth, um, or maybe later today. I'm not sure. Either way, do you know that it's the last week of summer vacation for kids going back to school? What in the wow. hell is that about? At least what? in Atlanta, yeah. So uh, I live in Atlanta, and they've made a big deal out of, about this this week. That school starts August first. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. It's awful. I think when I was a kid, it was Labor Day weekend because I had to cram in all the stupid books I didn't read for the entire summer into like that one last week of vacation. Yeah, you had a lot of back pages to read. Exactly. So that being said, we are going to do Family Feud Back to School Edition. Are you ready, Billy Madison? Never been ready. Never been ready. Okay. 
We're gonna put 20 seconds on the clock. You're gonna get all these wrong. We'll see if we can top your 69 points. We actually, I mean, we got about 10 or 11 questions. So, strap in. Are you, I already asked you if you're ready. Here we go, first question. Best fruit snack? Scooby-Doo fruit snacks. Ooh, sorry, shark bites or fruit roll-ups. Uh, best cafeteria food? I'm gonna go with Sloppy Joe. No, ooh, that's a close second, square pizza. Uh, best PE game? Dodgeball. No, gotcha. Better B, spelling or geography? Spelling. They both suck. Uh, dumbest subject ever? Mm, science. You're, oh, you're so close. It, science is bad, but remember in like math, the long division where they had remainders? Dude, I love long division. I can yeah, do that all Yeah, I mean, day. but, oh my God, you're the worst. I know. I got zero points <laughs> best, on that. Best grade. Best grade overall, I'm going to say 12th because that's senior year of high school. Right, so cares we're talking about semester. elementary school because I talked about fruit snacks. Oh, we're talking so about elementary right, school. It's fifth. We're moving on. Favorite children's show? Scooby-Doo. Ooh, wishbone. Big, big Scooby-Doo guy. Are you? Yeah, apparently. Right. Fra- phrase you wish would come back. I know you are, but what am I? See, I still say that. I was going to say psych. Um, Ooh, water good. park or amusement park? Water park. That's a good point. I like that. I, I couldn't do that because I was fat as a kid. So um, I like the amusement <laughs> park. <a> yeah. <laughs> Even now. Uh, best skating rink jam of all time. Clock's ticking. Something by ABBA. What? What? <laughs> no. What creep skating rink Dance, were you at? Dancing Queen? Are Dancing you? Queen? Oh, my God. It was crisscross. Jump, jump. What is wrong with you? Greatest childhood toys. Let's see. Scooby-Doo action figure. Why do you have so much Scooby-Doo stuff? It's Nerf bow and yeah, I was going to say baseball cards, but... That's yeah. not a toy, Connor. Do you understand? Okay, if we got to... I play with my, my baseball cards. Greatest greatest childhood movie of all time. Last question. Let's it's see. It's got to be Scooby-Doo, you weirdo. It's gotta, no, Scooby-Doo movies weren't that good. I was a TV show guy. I'm going to go with uh, The Sandlot. That actually is correct. There you go. You got one right. 68 points this week. I know. You did your best, though. You did your best. One of these one of these days, I'm going to do better than 69 points. <laughs> well, you really... You were actually on, on like a great pace until you answered that... I know. Oh, that, a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff. That ABBA thing really cost you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I definitely got negative points out of that. Um, might have hurt my reputation, too. That's okay. It's time for It Might Mean Too Much. You've seen this by now. It was oh, all man. over the internets. A bride and groom cutting the cake. You already know it was a Bama cake, or so it appeared. And yeah, you cut into the cake, and what is it but purple and gold? I and yeah, this thing took off. Oh, big time! Yeah, the the Alabama fan was was the groom, and so he thought he was just getting a Bama cake, and then he cuts into it, LSU cake. The the bride is there, just dying laughing. She's got the cell phone video. Uh, Jonathan Campbell, I believe. Shout out to Jonathan Campbell. Um, we're pretty much best friends now. Congrats on your divorce. You. Yeah, I, I don't know if he ever ate the cake because he put his po- his hands in his pockets at the end of the video. Did he eat the cake? Do we have anybody who knows I, that? I stopped watching because, I I mean, like, that, they that whole hashtag. First off, what I was most disappointed on was the lack of wedding hashtags that were included. Roll, bride, roll. Go into the chapel, the E-A-U-X. Oh, that's pretty Save good. Save like less to the dress. Ooh, yeah, that's good. I know. That's good. Um, Death Valley do his part. God, killing the hashtag game. But yeah, wow, I, I don't know if he ate the cake or not. I would have been, I don't think I would have been pissed, but I wouldn't have been super happy about that. So. He could have just eaten the frosting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The funny thing was, Bama was still on top of LSU. Yeah, so. <laughs> I thought that was the best metaphor of the whole thing. I think, yeah, C. Wright, uh, C. Wright pointed that out to me. Shout out to you, right? But yeah, also, it how was many weird. LSU wedding cakes are we gonna have to see this off season? They had the A and M one. I know with like the wrong That's scoreboard. A big thing. Yeah, LSU a lot of a lot of summer weddings. 
a lot of big uh, LSU wedding cakes. That's a very popular thing to do. It, it's officially wedding season, yeah. I think. Like, we're at, we're at that point now. It better um, be so. ending soon because I'm not trying to go to any fall weddings. Don't even think about inviting <laughs> me to any of those if you're listening. So make sure uh, – oh, yeah, real quick. Uh, so last week we did uh, – it might mean too much. It was the story of Tiger Jake, and I told you the background of all that. So, you know, me being me, I started following Tiger Jake on Instagram. <laughs> and Tiger Jake followed me back. And after um, my story, I got a DM from Tiger Jake. Sick brag here. Tiger Jake, apparently, the owner, Tiger Jake is apparently an unbelievable uh, typist because yeah. I got a long message in the voice of Tiger Jake that pointed out oh, no. uh, a mistake that I made in the story, apparently. Or Was it really like in the voice of Tiger Jake? Like, did he, like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. is weird. That, that is, is so like, that is that is that is another. It might mean too much. We're gonna have when to you read that on air your, next week. That is yeah. When you are talking in your voice, should I read this really quick? I, honestly, I yeah. I mean, I follow okay, a me, lot of corgis. Some would say too much or too many corgis on Instagram because they're adorable. But I yeah, somebody oh he wrote you a, a DM in the voice of a dog. I don't know. Oh, you love Scooby Doo. I, I am a big Scooby Doo guy. Yeah, it was uh, it was very interesting to see this. Why can't I, I, I figure out? Also, my, my if whoever right ends now? up editing this, can if we could put like just lowly in the in like the background. Abba Dancing Queen while he reads this, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, that would be uh, absolutely fantastic. I don't know why I can't find this uh, I can't find this DM right now. Did the dog um, eat your homework? <laughs> no, wow. I, I'm sounding like a really bad millennial right now for not being able to find a, a DM. Um, I definitely have this somewhere. Um, no, that's, that's not it. Um, okay, all right. We're going to save this uh, for another time. Um, I, I promise wait. next week. Next week I'll have it. I'll have it found. But it was it was really good. It was a it was a DM from actual Tiger Jake uh, in the voice of it. So weird. Yeah, that, that's that's a little bit a little bit extreme. I'm gonna just, let you take us out bit. this week then because that goodness gracious definitely means too much. I uh, I built that up a little bit too. Keep sending me your it might mean too much. All your stories. I've gotten a few of those so far. They're really really good. I'm gonna put those in uh, a column hopefully this week and maybe get to some of them next week as well. Keep sending yeah. me those. Keep following us on Twitter at cmarlerfds. The new handle. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Follow us on Instagram, too. Yeah, Instagram is Saturday Down South. Yeah, Saturday Down South. Follow me on the tweet tweet, uh, at CJ O'Gara, at at, at VSDSpod as well on Twitter. Uh, Keep DMing us all those fun stories that you guys have. Really appreciate you listening. Give us a little five-star review. We could use a – it's it's getting to the dog days of summer. Don't let it be the dog days of five-star reviews. Keep giving us those. We really Really appreciate them. Just hammering down on that uh, on the whole dog theme here. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got too into that, and then I couldn't find my my DM. I'll I'll just let you take us out. What what is it? What does it mean? It might mean too much. I did it. There, there it is. That's the first time in the history of life you've ever said it right. That was good. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week.